The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Imagine, if you will, a place where the macabre and humor flow amicably. A place where UFOs land and monsters are real. A place where you say to yourself, I want to believe. Yo, it's S2 sucker, he won sucker, S2 sucker, he won sucker. Wow, welcome to the I Wanna Believe podcast. I'm Nomar Slevic. I'm Kyle Sawyer. We are back, baby. How does it feel, man? Yeah, good, good. Season two. Season two. Here we go. Back at it again. And just a quick reminder about our format. All of our episodes have been recorded and edited for season two, and we release them all at once, Netflix style. So by all means, binge away or stagger them out. Up to you. Also, all of our I Want to Believe social media and email will be listed in the show notes because I'm sick of saying that shit on every episode, even though Kyle has suggested I could just copy and paste them, which is true. I don't think many of our listeners utilize them. But speaking of listeners, we have developed quite a listenership, according to our statistics anyway. We'll see if uh, season two can bring on some new listeners. We'd love to hear back from you, so check out our email and our social media in the show notes but wow man a lot has happened between season one and season two huh buddy yeah quite a lot lost loves lost jobs new jobs new living arrangements my new book came out me and bill brock's documentary came out for for the record that's called abducted new england and that is currently streaming on vidi space v-i-d-i Dot space, and if you subscribe to their service, you can watch our documentary, Abducted New England, also available on DVD on Amazon and Amazon Prime, so check that shit out. Also, I've started a new documentary of my own. It's called Otherworldly Amour, and I am right in the throes of it right now, so lots and lots of stuff, huh, man? Yeah, yeah, quite a year. <laughs> quite a year indeed. But today, man, we're just going to pick up and keep it moving with another story to share with everyone. This episode is about the Falkville Metal Man. While reports of alien encounters seem to be a dime a dozen, there are very few photos of what eyewitnesses purported to be the actual extraterrestrial mm. being the case of the Falkville Metal Man is one of those rare exceptions, and to make things even more intriguing, the pictures were taken by none other than the police chief who'd been sent out to investigate a UFO landing and got much more than he bargained for. Metal Man makes me think we're discussing a He-Man character or something, you know? If you look at the image that I created for this podcast, first of all, it's got like a Metallica font, <laughs> but there's also a picture of what this Falkville Metal Man is, and we'll get into that too, and we'll put some more clearer pictures or links to pictures in the show notes. Let's get into it, yeah? When you think of aliens, what comes to mind? 
The little gray aliens described in numerous encounters, such as Willie Strebers, Betty and Barney Hills, and many more, or maybe you think of the little goblins like we discussed in the season one episode called The Goblins of Kentucky. There are also the bizarre large creatures reportedly encountered in Pascagoula, Mississippi in 1973. Whatever you might think, scratch it, because this is a weird one. On October 17, 1973, in Falkville, Alabama, a man encountered an odd humanoid being. This man was the town's chief of police, and he just so happened to get some pictures of this being. The story starts out as a quiet evening in Falkville. Chief Greenhaw had arrived home in the early evening, ate dinner with his wife, and relaxed for the night. Just before 10 p.m., the phone rang at the Greenhaw residence. The chief answered to a frantic woman yelling about a landed UFO in a field near her home. Greenhaw could hardly believe what he heard, but he was a good cop, and he got dressed and went to check it out. In the off chance that the woman was telling the truth, Greenhaw grabbed his Polaroid camera. When Greenhaw arrived on scene, he got out of his truck and patrolled the area, but claimed to find nothing out of the ordinary. The chief then returned to his vehicle and decided to take a drive around the field before returning home. Greenhaw cruised around the perimeter of the field. He scanned the darkness for anything unusual, but saw nothing of interest. He then turned down a narrow gravel path for one final pass. That was when he came face to face with an odd entity. It stood about a hundred yards down the path. Greenhaw described it as a humanoid figure and got out of his truck and carefully approached, thinking that it may be someone in need of assistance. The following information is a summary report by NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. A brief background of NICAP, they were founded in 1956 by Thomas Townsend Brown. Original members also included Donald Kehoe, a retired major in the Marines, and Delmer Farney, the former chief of the Navy's guided missile program. Brown was also asked to step down in 1957 because he apparently was an idiot when it came to money and Farney took over. So Farney stepped down just a few months later. His wife was sick and he wasn't a fan of how people treated him due to his interest in UFOs. Anyway, Kehoe took over as director and NICAP was embraced by the mainstream media and was one of the first places where people went to report UFO sightings other than, at the time, Project Blue Book. Again, this is from NICAP. As Greenhaw continued his search of the area, he was taken aback by the sight of an alien-like creature standing just off the side of the road. The being appeared to be wrapped in aluminum foil as it began to walk toward Greenhaw. It looked like his head and neck were kind of made together. He was real bright, something like rubbing mercury on nickel, but just as smooth as glass different angles give different lighting. I don't believe it was aluminum foil. The tinfoil alien's movements were very mechanical-like. An antenna was attached to its head. Though in shock, he managed to snap off four pictures of the odd-looking alien. When he flicked on his headlights, the alien was obviously frightened as it began to make its escape. Greenhaw immediately took off in his truck in pursuit, and because of the rough terrain of the field, he was only able to manage 35 miles per hour. The robotic movements of the alien were now in high gear, and it raced towards the open field. Greenhawk could not keep up, and the tinfoil being escaped into the night. He was running faster than any human I ever saw, 
Greenhaw stated. Although Greenhaw was exhilarated by the strange encounter, he would soon regret the whole affair. He was mocked and ridiculed by many of the townsfolk, and he received threatening phone calls. A string of bad luck began to affect his life as well. Whether related to his report or not, his house burned down, and then his wife left him. Approximately a month after the incident, the town council fired him. Greenhaw would eventually regain some semblance of a normal life, but he would always regret the night he met the tinfoil alien. Some further details include that Greenhaw shouted to this entity, but it did not respond. He got to within 15 feet of the beam, and it was illuminated by his truck's high beams, which is when he observed the silvery suit. That's when he grabbed the Polaroid camera and took four pictures. The first Polaroid didn't show very much, except for some inky darkness and a flash of silver. But the next three images are pretty phenomenal. The website Phantom and Monsters reported, in the photos, one can clearly see a human-like figure wearing a wrinkly metallic suit, which is reflecting the Polaroid's flash. Perhaps believing that it was being attacked by a human with some kind of light beam weapon, the creature almost instantaneously turned and began sprinting across the field at speeds far in excess of those capable by human. Greenhaw noted that it seemed to be heading in the general direction of Lacombe, which is about three miles away from Falkville. The chief reacted swiftly, ran back to his truck, and took off in pursuit of the tinfoil man. Now, Cal, we do have some pics, and obviously we'll put those in the show notes, but if you scroll down, let's let's look at them. So if you see there, those are the four original ones. They're a little bit tough to see, but if you keep scrolling, now you can see the, the close-ups of them. And that first one, boy, oh boy, it's... Uh, I don't know, man. That looks like a, a, a hoax suit if I've ever seen one. You know? It really does look like a guy who's just wrapped up in tinfoil with maybe like some sort of like tube around his neck, like a like a like a washer dryer hose or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But then look at look at the close up of the face, though. That it gets a little bit more interesting there. It does. Yeah, it, it definitely looks like there's more detail than you'd really be able to get with tinfoil, that sort of thing. And, yeah. And it looks less wrinkly. The closer you you look at it, yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, you know, I don't know if that's due to the pixelation. You would actually think that would enhance the wrinkledness. You would think so, yeah. And then if you scroll down a bit more, there's more of a close up of the actual quote unquote suit. Right. Again, though, like what you were saying, it it looks less less cheeky, if you will, mm-hmm. when when you when you can zoom up on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know that. The first picture kind of reminds me of when I was a kid. I actually went as an alien for Halloween one year, <laughs> and it was just like I had like a bunch of like styrofoam pieces hanging off of me and stuff. Like I was some sort of robot alien. But at the same time, you never know. I think that's the 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 big piece here that that the takeaway is all about, because you have the chief of police of a small town. Mm-hmm. In a small town, people talk. And this guy's reputation is is on the line here. He is in an elected position. This isn't just a job he has. And this is a guy that needs to like maintain a public persona that would be indicative of being elected. And then it turns out that he was actually taken out of office after this happened. And not only that, but his wife left him. And then who knows if it's related, but then the house burned down. The the exact opposite of why skeptics think people report about strange encounters, you know, notoriety, financial gain, things like that. The complete opposite happened here to a figure in authority. 
pretty crazy, man. And I, this is like a puzzle and we're putting the pieces together here. We got these pictures. We got that it's a sheriff and all these horrible things happen to him afterwards. You know, you put it all together and it's not as easy to dismiss in my opinion. But absolutely. I mean, it always helps when you do have someone that people consider credible. Yeah, this is like a famous case in ufology ufology basically yeah yeah but it's not something like your average person is going to know true about. this, this so, isn't a, a, a roswell or you know right so i mean it's not like this guy really gained that much <laughs> from yeah. this in fact it sounds like he lost a lot lost a whole lot so that's really it the the story of the falkville metal man and as always we leave it up to you to decide whether you believe this or not we will post links to the pictures in the show notes listen to the episode and 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 you decide anything else to add here no, just to go on more about like the format and everything. It's just whatever the story is, boom, and then we're done. Maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's an hour. I hope everybody is enjoying our return to the podcast stage, season two. Season two, episode one is finally in the books. Keep on listening. If you feel like it, give us a rating on iTunes. I think what I prefer is pass this episode on, pass this show on to somebody else who you think might enjoy it. That's really all I got to say about it. What about you? Sounds good to me. All right, man. Until next time. Until next time. All right. I can hear the breathing. I didn't move. All right. Where was I? Exact spot where it was. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, did I say the spot about the UFO? No, you... Um, I skipped that, didn't you, I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no transition there. Sorry about that. should definitely come to Baltimore. We have a way of speaking to each other through food. It's really renewed for me, my love of what I do. It's gonna take something far stronger than a pandemic to defeat us. All of these businesses are taking precautions to make sure that everyone is safe. We're ready. See what we've got going on. Plan your visit at Baltimore.org. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers.